1: Write that, write that down for me, Saeedo. Write that down for me, Write that down for me,
0: that, Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Write That Down. I'm your host, Justin Nipper. I'm editor at lightgamemedia.com and staff writer at 4WOnlineWrestlingObserver.com. And I'm back with pro wrestling author, Historian and broadcast journalist, Mr. Fumi Saito. Okay, so today is part three of our profile series on Mr. Giant Baba, uh, where today we continue talking about Baba and his relationship with NWA. We we kind of picked up on uh, where we left off last week, and we continued talking about his work with NWA until the late 80s, until his split with them, until it became the The wall, the garden of the 90s. We'll talk about that probably in another episode, probably the last episode. Mm, Today we also touched on the original four pillars of JWA. Uh, We'll get into that early on in the show as well. Uh, The episode also digs deeper into the dynamic between the relationship between Antonio Noki and uh, his rivalry with Baba throughout the 70s and 80s, and this type of quote-unquote war between Old Japan and New Japan and NTV and TV Asahi uh, also and how it connects to what the identity of all Japan was and what the identity of New Japan was and how they were different and why they were different the repeated theme of establishment versus anti-establishment in this Baba versus Inoki war talking about the philosophical roots of everything it sounds a little uh, deeper than it really is but it's something to you know It's important to the story. We talked a lot about it today. We'll we'll wrap our series on Baba Next Week with Part 4. I wanted to let you guys know, if you haven't already, please take a second to subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed. Wherever you download your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Downcast, Stitcher, wherever you download your shows, so that you can write that down in your feed as soon as it goes up. Okay, that really helps us, too. Um, Also, I wanted to... Mention that I recently put out a digital book of all my New Japan strong television reports called stronger than all It covers all the shows all the television broadcasts that they put up on New Japan world from 2020 to 2021 It's available on Amazon Kindle right now if you want to buy it for $4.99 or if you have Kindle limited You can read it for free if you have a subscription, so check that out as well if you're interested Oh and one last thing questions, okay? Tweet us questions, email us questions, okay? I'm at Justin and Nipper on Twitter, Fumi's at FumihikoDayo on Twitter. Uh, we're gathering questions for Q&A uh, soon, so send them in, all right? So, Giant Baba Part 3 on with the show, let's go.
1: Yeah. Okay, um, this is the third episode of Giant Baba Legacy. That's right. Then uh, we already started talking a lot about NWA, uh, National Wrestling Alliance, uh, the, the influence in Japanese wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, last episode, I went, you know, that to rewind the tape a little bit back to 1969, there was no New Japan, there was no All Japan yet. That still old JWA Japan Pro Wrestling, Nippon Pro Wrestle, right? And the, that the very first NWA World Champion they acknowledged as NWA World Champion was Dory Funk Jr. Mm-hmm and in december 2 of 1969 both baba and inoki already established main event superstar right they individually challenged nwa title in japan that pretty much established the fact that that there was something above japanese wrestling Mm. does that make sense yeah Yeah, the
0: the status or or stature of Companies yeah, within up, the up, up until yeah.
1: then. Yeah, up until then, you know, 64, 65 on, Giant Baba was the biggest superstar of all and international heavyweight champion. You and I talked about it. And mm-hmm. I asked some non-wrestling fan, English-speaking, native-speaking English, you know, American person, okay? World champion and international champion, which one sound better, right? right. Non-wrestling fan. And... World and international, and a couple of people thought international sounded above world or something. And, uh, really, you know, yeah, and, and there was because you're a wrestling fan and uh, you've seen all you know, the world heavyweight champion and international heavyweight champion is not there, you know. But uh, when you hear international championship in in uh, in the figure scale or world championship in so and so, and international sound fancier a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I mean, in general term. Anyhow, up until 69, Dory Funk Jr.'s short little, you know, like a one-week tour, when then NWA World Champion Jane Knuski or then World, Res- World Wide Wrestling Federation Champion Bruno San Martino Tour Japan, they came in with their individual champion belt on their on the waist, but they didn't defend their title. Instead, Bruno San Martino Gene Kaninski individually they challenged giant baba's international championship in Japan. Hmm. That was to make Baba's international title above American championships. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. those existing champions came over with their championship belt on their you know, wearing championship belt, physical belt, but they didn't defend their title. They came in, came to Japan and challenged Baba's title in 67, again in 68, always 60 minute time draws. So, so they were equally strong. But the fact that the existing world champion, like Bruno San Martino and Jim Koniski at the time, came to Japan and had a this network primetime special title match thing, uh, that Baba was a champ, international champion, in these. Bruno San Martino, Gene Kaniski, they came to challenge Baba's title. So that was very interesting way of handling, you know. That was like a JWA, Nippon Protestant type of booking. Anyhow, in 60s, uh, sometime spring, I believe, in 67, Yoshino Sato and Kokichi Endo, the executive of JWA, became, finally became member of NWA. And the name N W B, you know, is getting really strong about this. It's like, oh, it's kind of like a W, you know, in boxing W B C, you know, W B A. Now it's I B A and W B O and all that, right? But uh, the name, this initial of this, these, you know, wrestling organization, becomes kind of like almost like a like a brand logo type of thing. And uh, reading-oriented Japanese fan. Became more educated about the organization of America, National Wrestling Alliance, uh Vern Gagnes AWA, American Wrestling Association, and of course Bruno San Martino champion <clears throat> that uh, Vince McMahon Sr., Vincent James McMahon's Worldwide Wrestling Federation. It's like there are three different big organizations in America, man, kind of thing in Japan. Anyhow, that the. Uh, yeah, for instance, in, back in 1957, in when Lutheus came to Japan to defend his title against Ricky Dozan, they didn't announce NWA; it was simply World Championship, right? Mm-hmm. But in '69, when Dory Funk Jr. came in with that famous, you know, Gene Kiniski, Buddy Rogers, you know, black leather belt, and 28-year-old you know, that new NWA world champion, Dory Funk Jr. Dory Funk Jr. was really young uh, once Once upon a time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, uh, he came in as world champion and Baba and Inoki individually challenged his championship. So that really, as a kid, I mean, in my experience, wow, Giant Baba challenging world championship. Antonio Inoki challenged, you know, as a challenger, you know, having a title match against Dory Funk. And sure enough that the, both title match, Baba against Dory Funk, Inoki against Dory Funk, both times it was, again, 60 minute draw, you know, so no winner. But Dory Funk Jr. successfully defended his World Heavyweight Championship, NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, you know, that pretty much conditioned Japanese audience. There, is, there was something bigger and better like as an organization or the governing body of professional wrestling. That's something above Japanese wrestling. Does that make sense?
0: It really, I'm assuming it made him come off as big time. He's the guy to beat. Baba was the man to beat.
1: Yeah. Up until then. But, uh, Dory Funk Jr. You know, brought the belt into Japan and defended title against both Baba and Inoki. And the, 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 The result of the title match was both 60 minute draw and no winner. But but, uh, he was able to, Dory Funk Jr. was able to handle this title, two title matches, and brought the title home. So Baba couldn't win, Inoki couldn't win. There must be something bigger and better in America. So as a kid, that's how I understood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow, so NWA myth is so strong in Japan that becoming membership as a promoter, only big promoter can be member of NWA. And you know, evidently, when Antonio Noki's New Japan applied for the membership in the 73 and 74, two consecutive years, they were denied or something. And Baba was already you know, quickly became member of N, an official member of NWA in, in January of 73 or something and that made baba more authentic orthodox like international promoter as an image
0: are you following me he was kind of he was a part of the uh, you could think of it like a board like the board of um i don't know what 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 sport also has a like a unified board like that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, like it's a,
1: know, a, like mlb you know or the nfl conference the yeah oh, this I guess Japanese people really love these like <laughs> organizations, divisions. You know? Yeah, oh, more but like hierarchy or something almost.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a vertic- vertical society. I got like the the, the the everything is sort of viewed from the bottom up in Japan, whereas I got in, in the states, it's more all over the place. Well,
1: the equal, freedom, equality, yeah, mm-hmm. and democracy.
0: Hmm. Well, that, <laughs> that's that's the that's the idea, but we're uh, we're still a, a young nation trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, we're talking about wrestling, but it's, that's it's right. Like, <laughs> but it's not completely separate from what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to get these... I, I I've asked you before that uh, which presidential election you remember the most as a kid?
0: Yeah, I was thinking it, that it's either between the the Clinton Papa Bush, or yeah ninety two or uh, Gore and um and oh two thousand junior. Yeah. I mean that was and that was con- like a movie big
1: controversy. Yeah, that, that the vote the vote was so close and he recounted and actually Gore was winning and all these things. It's got months, weeks, and months after the actual election, right? Mm. And the same in you know, a very same year, nine eleven thing happened. You know. And uh, what I'm trying to get to is, though, that the, the presidential election and that the big debate on television is like a the, the, the big TV show, everybody sit at home and watch. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of even as a high school kid, you either become very liberal or you become um, or you choose to become very conservative or something. You know what I'm saying?
0: Sure. You so form like your a, own uh, identity and your own ideas. Yeah. Like a, almost like a black and white, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: And for the majority of wrestling fans, so wrestling wrestling fans, so you know, reading oriented in Japan, but the fact that uh, in Japan, network channels always carried wrestling, right? Right. So, uh, Channel 4, Jan Baba's All Japan Television, right? Mm-hmm. And Channel 10, now it's Channel 5, but the TV Asahi, Antonio Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's like a two big leagues, right? And it was always like almost like a political debate how Enoki do his business or how Baba does his business and what's right and which one's more you know liberal or which one's more conservative or Orthodox, or almost like a, something to do with your value orientations, you know, establishment, anti-establishment, NWA member, giant Baba. And then uh, if, if Inoki wasn't an NWA member, he'd go ahead and create little IWGP that uh, like a, something bigger and better than uh, what NWA was. And all these things that, you, you, as a kid, Japanese wrestling fans always kind of decide, you know, which uh, Inoki or Baba, that the, which was the right guy to do, to be doing this thing, you know, kind of thing. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. It's, it's different from how things developed in the States though. Yeah. Just because, and, and, and for the main reason, I mean, just because there were so many more territories, so people could only see what was, you know, physically around In
1: in, in your, yeah, in your state. That's right. That's right. Up, uh, Not until Vince McMahon's 1984 national expansion in
0: cable TV and pay-per-views. Yeah, so a lot of people, I think, might have been unfamiliar with different styles. They thought, you know, if you live in New oh, York. Oh, yeah, oh, well, I know that. because
1: w- w- I, yeah. I lived in Minnesota. So
0: that's AWA.
1: Yeah. <laughs> AWA was the only major league of pro- professional wrestling. That's right. But uh, in Japan, yeah, the country size of about California and always had two major league of professional wrestling and doing the business so differently that it's like uh, you almost have to. <laughs> make your own decision i guess uh that uh, <clears throat> you be a inoki type fan or a baba type fan you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh we already covered that in in the previous you know episodes but th- we have to go over one more time that like in 74 there was Antonio inoki against strong kobayashi almost like a, a like a forbidden door like a mm-hmm. new japan's Antonio inoki and then uh, IWA, Kokusai, International, uh, the third company's world champion, Strong Kobayashi, Kobayashi that the two Japanese champions fought against each other to make who was the best, right? In Japan. Hmm. And, uh, at the time, uh, Strong Kobayashi sent you know, his challenging letter to Giant Baba. Naturally, Giant Baba pretty much ignored it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another um, Japanese against Japanese, uh, very important single match that year, 74, Inoki, Against Kintaro Oki, the Korean name Kim Il. Um, uh, technically, he's Korean, uh, na- you know, citizen, but uh, he was Kintaro Oki in Japan. The original Ricky Dozen's original Three Musketeer was Baba Inoki against and and, and Kintaro Oki. There was Three Musketeers, kind of like the third man, Orson Wells, right? <laughs> you know, that's right. But, uh, yeah, the third man. And Inoki already had Inoki against strong Kobayashi, Japanese champion against Japanese champion, the same year, 74, that uh, third man always, Kintaro Oki against uh, Antonio Inoki. That the reason this match was so big was that when uh, the year after Inoki created his New Japan Pro Wrestling and Baba created All Japan Pro Wrestling, that the mother company, mothership JWA went down, right? The original nippon pro wrestling went out of business and kintaro oki was the was their last champion and stayed with the company until the dying day then the jwa went down and naturally kintaro oki became freelancer and challenged inoki for a very important single match so that was real big deal so in 74 inoki already had inoki against strong kobayashi inoki against kintaro oki then that year, what Baba John Baba did was, was that in uh, December of 1974, Baba brought then NWA world champion Jack Briscoe, and he beat Jack Briscoe to become very first NWA world champion
0: in history. Mm-hmm. So he countered that with the establishment. That was the uh, – so that was the, the strategy at the time, just uh... – Two big companies going at it,
1: yeah. And trying to match 19- each
0: other step for step,
1: right. And then following year, seventy-five, Baba stole Kintaro Oki from from Inoki and had Baba against Kintaro Oki, and Baba beat Oki in six minutes. Hmm. <laughs> very interesting, right? Hmm. Yeah. And in same nineteen seventy-five, there was uh, Jan Baba's uh, very. Uh, first, uh, It only happened once, but the open tournament, open tournament in December mm-hmm. of 75, there was a um, three week tour, which was really huge at the time, you know, you have your Dory Funk, the Abdul the Butcher, the Dusty Rose, Dick Murdoch, the, the Pat O'Connor, the Mr. Wrestling from Georgia, the uh, Van Von Rashki from AWA, uh, all these, you know, Harley Race, of course, Abdullah the Butcher, Kintaro Oki they joined that too, and it made big, huge, um, like open tournament. Meaning open, meaning open invitation. Inoki was invited to join that tournament. Naturally, New Japan ignored it.
0: NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. interesting huh pretty uh I mean that so when both companies got started in 72 what year did things I mean it was pretty heated from the get-go but when did it really start to heat up between Baba and Inoki in the battle between both the channels it's always I guess
1: Inoki felt that the, uh, Baba was the person that he has to compete back in 65 when they started <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah you and I talked about that too, but uh, Baba is five years older than than Inoki. See, when Rick Dozen signed these two big rookies, Inoki was 17 and Baba was already 22, being baseball player and, um, and the former Giants baseball player, kind of big sports celebrity turning into pro wrestler. Inoki, relatively unknown, unknown 17-year-old, you know, the... The discuss uh, that the, the, the shot put a truck runner from Brazil or something. Mm-hmm. So, Inoki uh, was always looking at Baba as somebody that uh, that that's somebody I have to beat. Whereas Baba didn't really think about it that much. Yeah. And Baba was the first one to be sent to America and headlined all over America when Inoki was washing Ricky Dozen's back. Does that make sense? Mm.
0: And yeah. Yeah. It paints a picture. It paints a very uh, specific kind of what, like tone, or the dynamic of the relationship between Baba and Inoki.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you and I talked about already talked about this on, on, on Inoki episode that Inoki didn't get to go to America until after Rikidozan's passing. That's right. And two years staying in states, he didn't really go to mainstream territory like your big NWA territory. He traveled to, he, he toured LA, he spent a year in Oregon, he had time in Central States, in Kansas, uh, months, a few months, is, probably six months in Houston, Texas, then went to Tennessee, and not really big league, right? I mean, it's a territory, that's fine, you know, but uh, Baba was, you know, headlining Madison Square Garden when he he traveled to states, and he had a matter the Olympic auditorium title you know that, you know, world title match in Los Angeles you know like, it was different you know and there's a uh, one myth that uh, I don't know it, it was a fantasy or a fiction story or, or real but uh, when on on Baba Baba's way back to Japan and Inoki's way you know into the states those two met in LA in Japanese restaurant okay mm-hmm. sometime in 64. And I'd say like a January or February of 64, that the Baba on his way back home and Inoki just starting the US, you know, tour, those two met, and what Baba did was this crumbled hundred dollar bill, put these you know, the crumbled hundred dollar bills into um Inoki's pocket. I'm not gonna use this. Keep it. Good story, right? Mm. But it was the only <laughs> in Tokyo sports paper, and nobody really witnessed that. <laughs> you know what mm. I'm saying? Mm. Story is very famous. Those two met in LA, and uh, one's going home, one's start traveling. And the Baba, you know, f- finishing up his US, you know, you know, tour, and he had a bunch of crumbled hundred dollar bill in his pocket, and on his way home, say, I'm not gonna eat it. Hey, you keep it. And put the, you know, the, the crumbled $100 bill just into Inoki's you know, pant pocket. Inoki okay. you know, said, thank you very much. It's such a good story, but it's a myth, right? It mm. has to be. Yeah, maybe, because there was no photo for it, you know. But the story itself became very famous. Anyhow, so... Anyhow, they, you, know, you, know, you know, Baba started being a big champion, you know, in JWA and Inoki spent his time in the States. Comes back two years later, but did not join JWA. Instead, he and his buddy, Toronobori, started you know, Inoki's very first outlaw outlaw promotion, Tokyo Pro Wrestling in 1966 and whatnot. And uh, that company went down and Inoki joined jwa again uh in 67 or something and for five year period baba and inoki were happy day international tag team champions then they had to go split you know a separate way anyhow that the let's move this move forward a little bit so 75 open tournament all the big huge superstar from america you know, the Jan baba as a promoter he you know invited all these American superstars to have this three week tournament. And Inoki countered this with just one match, Inoki against Billy Robinson, December of 1975. That was just a you know, big, big story. And there's a uh, yeah, sequel to it. Six months later, sure enough, spring, uh, uh, not a spring, I'd say it was uh, June or July of 75 giant baba managed to steal billy robinson from inoki and promoted giant baba against billy robinson pwf title match the result two out of three four match giant baba clearly cleanly beat billy robinson two uh, two against one at the for, for the for the uh, two out of three four match inoki could not beat billy robinson 60 minute time you know, time limit draw the previous year, December 75, uh, 74, 75, I'm sorry. Then six months later, Baba managed to steal Billy Robinson from Inoki's New Japan and, and produced, you know, a Baba against Billy Robinson. Sure enough, Giant Baba beat Billy Robinson clean. So that was, there was a debate, you know, because using Billy Robinson or somebody like a Kintaro Oki right in the middle, how Inoki beat Oki and how Baba beat Oki, how Inoki could not beat Billy Robinson, but Baba cleanly beat Billy Robinson the, in the following year. So Baba fans always say, see, see, Baba is better. But uh, after that, that's, instead, Enoki, uh, for the big thing, Inoki in 1976, finally produced his biggest legacy match, Inoki against Muhammad Ali.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, about about Billy Robinson to backtrack one second. Yeah. When I think about Billy Robinson in Japan, I don't really yeah. think of his run in all Japan. I mean, we all know he was there, but I think what's more talked about is the match with Inoki. Is that um how is it received? only happened once? Only right. happened once. But I feel yeah. like it's talked about forever. Even though Robinson spent uh, probably till the, towards the end of his career. All, all the Japan. way,
1: all, I mean, 76, all the way till his retirement in 1985. He stayed with New uh, Old Japan, mm-hmm. very loyal. He had like a, three or four tours each and every year. And he was part of the, the real world tag Team tournament every year. Billy Robinson against, and somebody like Left Thornton, or Billy Robinson, and somebody like a Wild Angus, or Billy Robinson, and who so and so. That always part of this December, you know, annual Real World Tag Team Tournament, and also there was like a Champion Carnival match, Billy Robinson against uh, Bruce Avrodi. Billy Robinson won PWF title in Japan. Uh, Billy Robinson won the UN United National title, and. Billy Robinson had uh, had Tenru as his partner and challenged Baba and Jumbo as international tag team in the titles, and and the, basically Billy Robinson ran a lot of programs in, uh, in old Japan in th- through 70s. But the people only, not only, but pretty much remembers one match against Antonio Noki uh, rather, you know. More important match or something. Hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because that's just how yeah, I perceive it, but I, yeah, I don't know how they about, up, yeah anyway. of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. That uh, only happened once. You know, against Billy Robinson, they talk about it like it was the greatest dressing match ever. They talk about it all the way to today. And Billy Robinson actually spent a lot longer time as Baba's old Japan. That's a fact and uh after he retired you know between 1999 to 2007 or so uh all the way to maybe like 2015 then on and off for 15 years 20 years billy robinson came back and and lived in tokyo uh, being a coach and an instructor at the Snake pit gym in koenji mm-hmm. yeah and i became very very good friend with aged billy robinson and he would openly, you know, talk about match, you know, against Inoki so many times. But it was even hard for me to talk about his time in All Japan Pro Wrestling because everybody remembers. Yes, like you said, Billy Robinson against Inoki match. People remember so much and talk about it to this day as as like one of the greatest wrestling match. And there was people remember there was single match between Baba and Billy Robinson, right? And Baba clearly beat Billy Robinson for this, you know, PWF title defense. And even after I became good friends with Billy Robinson, it was very hard for me to ask that question. Well, Inoki and you had this great single match, technical wrestling match, possibly, arguably best wrestling match in Japanese wrestling history. And I could not ask him but baba beat you <laughs> <laughs> i'm an old-fashioned guy right 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 yeah it was so hard and how billy robinson put it was that Inoki was great wrestler and baba was great promoter and honest person
0: hmm. not so I much of the wrestling
1: uh yeah, but it's not. I'm not like uh, I cannot really ask him like, hey, 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 Billy, you know. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, you know what um, I'm saying.
0: But I mean that that idea. I think that's fair. That's a fair view. And also, it?
1: he he understand the fact that uh, he was under contract with all Japan for the next nine years or so, and really, basically made a living with Japanese tour. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, he was there. With o- o- giant Baba's old japan until 1985 until the day he retired from wrestling and uh so he um he is grateful you know for, you know for the time with old japan but the match he'd rather talk about was always the one with Inoki. Hmm. interesting huh mm-hmm. yeah but much like carl gotch you know billy robinson did not really talk about the mechanics of professional wrestling moves, you know, he only only wanted to teach catch as catch can. You know, like what you do. Yeah, at the gym, you know, but he didn't really deny that the merit of bouncing off the rope, you know, because he didn't deny that. It's like, if if the rope is there, you use it, that's fine. Oh, yeah. Can you bounce off the rope? He never said it's bad thing. So it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, bouncing off the rope is like a pro wrestling one-on-one, right?
0: Right, but how? Um, when you think about MMA today, nobody's bouncing off the ropes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but yo, uh, well, it's still bounce off a rope now. In MMA? No, no, no.
0: I mean, a uh, professional wrestling. pro oh, wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, but uh, even in 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 the catches catch can, you know, class when somebody or I asked him, you know, that using rope, okay, it's like utilizing professional rope is just fine. You know, it's like, it's not like tossing your that your opponent to your, to the rope and then you expect him to come back. Instead, you run to the rope yourself and bounce off the rope yourself and come back with big shoulder tackle. That's how you use the rope. Oh, okay, sir. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it was okay for Billy Robinson to use ropes. Oh, that's another subject for another day. And yeah, back to this um, promoter Baba and promoter Inoki always competing, competing, not directing, communicating with each other. But when the Billy Robinson match happens, yeah, Inoki has greatest match of all time. Then All Japan and Janet Baba steals Billy Robinson from him when Kintaro Oki single match happens in Inoki against Kintaro Oki, Inoki beats him in twelve minutes with Ruth S backdrop suplex. Then uh, six months later, Baba steals Kintaro Oki from Inoki and beat Oki in six minutes. I mean just uh, there's like a uh, like a ulterior motive in a lot of things, you know that's a word, you know? Mm. Uh, like a read kids like wrestling fans in Japan kinda learn learned how to read between lines in young ages
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting huh i think it's the same all around the world yeah probably yeah I yeah mean, it, who's gonna be who yeah I mean, it's also just the nature of this is the nature of wrestling is or the reality of wrestling how real it is it's not there's not real or it's not 50 50 it's just really really large scale uh, it's 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 a gray area and it's it's gray or less gray wherever you go around the world. So I think the more you watch, the more you kind of have to build that sense. Up. Your your own
1: foundation of understanding. Yeah. What is, what is
0: yeah. Uh, sh- the truth yeah. or what should I be listening to mm-hmm. and so on.
1: And you always have your own favorite, you know?
0: Yeah. Sure. We all have yeah. our different ways of enjoying it too.
1: Yeah. So uh, fast forward a little bit that uh, the all through 70s into, you know, late 70s into early 80s. There was a one year period that that this Old Japan and New Japan, more so than Inoki and Baba, they're competing against each other. When one company started stealing, you know, another company's big talent. Spring of 1981, New Japan managed to sign Abdullah the Butcher away from Old Japan. Ooh, right. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. And following month, very quickly, Jan Baba signs Taiga Singh away from New Japan. Mm. So it's like a big, big, you know, biggest heel switch. Decide, you know, because all through my childhood, almost Inoki against Taiga Singh, Pretty much all year long, whereas Giant Baba against Abdullah Butcher on t- TV all year long, you know, pretty much as your typical, I mean your you know regular big bad guy opponent of you know e- you know each company, and Inoki or I should say more like TV Asahi and New Japan Company signs Abdullah Butcher away from All Japan and TVS you know Nippon TV, then quick enough that Jan Baba and NTV Channel 4 steals sign away Taiga Jee Singh away from New Japan. in addition to Taiga Jit Singh, of course, his blonde haired Japanese hero partner, Umanosuke Ueda, come with him too, right? Mm. Then there's uh, Dick Murdoch and Kim Doc, Taiga Chan Lee, Taiga Toguchi, they were signed away from Old Japan and then signed with New Japan. Then, then, uh, all Japan still uh, Chabu Guerrero, and then, and, and then junior heavyweight champion. And this lot of wrestlers switched sides. And very end of 1981, that the final, uh, the final day or final match, final show of real world tag, real world tag team tournament. Bruiser Brody, Jimmy Snuka against the Funks. Okay, that was the final. The Funks, mm. Dory and Terry Funk against Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen, who shows up with denim and cowboy hat. New Japan superstar, Stan Hansen mm. shows up in all Japan. That was the biggest, biggest surprise. But pretty much she the uh, stealing each other thing. is like, Baba signs Stan Hansen away from you know, his, you know, New Japan, and that's where Stan Hansen would, would, you know, spend next next twenty years until his retirement. Yeah,
0: those are big reactions at those shows, especially around yeah. that time. Really, like you, you can go back and watch and Since we've been living in this different pandemic time, it's going back now, like these days, and watching some of those reactions, it's unreal. Those were, yeah just uh very very hot times for pro wrestling in japan
1: oh yeah real big because uh that uh, promotional was, was huge because in night uh 81 82 83 uh, not quite three years but uh, almost three years tiger mask was the biggest thing in japanese wrestling new japan okay and there, Baba side, there was the funks, there was, a, you know, Brody, that the, the, there was meal maskers, all these, but general public eyes were on tiger mask, you know? And, uh, yeah. And Inoki actually was, uh, wasn't was doing well, you know, health-wise. But that's why he had first diabetic, you know, I think in '81, '82, and, and if you remember one year that the final of Madison Square Garden tournament, that the tournament final was going to be Inoki against Andre the Giant, but Inoki couldn't make it, so Khan took his place and had a final match of the tournament, mm-hmm. and naturally Andre the Giant won the tournament, and uh, yeah, his Inoki's health was declining at the time, yeah, but uh, the promotional war was such that uh, I guess what's what I'm trying to get to is so uh, Giant Baba never really initiated that uh, this war, you know, like I never gave first attack. It was always New Japan doing, you know, like a stealing Abdullah the Butcher or something away from, from all Japan. But uh, the Baba have to retaliate, I guess, you know, that uh, steal Tiger G-Sing from him. Or at the end, Stan Hansen decided to join you know, old Japan, leaving New Japan. And uh, but, but that was pretty much the end of these, you know, big, you know, stealing each other's talent. Because what happened was they elevated wrestlers' guarantee so much. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it changed the shape of how things were going to be in the future, how, how negotiations and how business were going to be shaped in the future.
1: Yeah, what's interesting was those, th- by having Stan joining all Japan, they revived uh, uh, that uh, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, that uh, super miracle violence tag team or something like that, Mm -hmm. that that only read about in wrestling magazine, you know. Stan and Brody were the the big tag team in America, you know, years back. And we saw that on magazine, but never happened because Stan was working for New Japan and Brody was working for all Japan. So next three years, 82, 83, 84. They Brody Stan Hansen combination had a strong three-year run with All Japan until Brody decided to leave All uh, Japan to join, you know, sign with New Japan to have very important single match series against Antonio Inoki. And after all, that was Inoki's very, yeah, very last single match program against American superstar. Hmm.
0: Yeah when it oh, was so you're, we're talking about the early 80s was baba by this time less in a um main high event card, main event yeah sort yeah of i position? think so oh,
1: well i believe 82 83 single match program upon uh stan hansen's arrival naturally they had to do the single match baba against stan and stan this first stan against Stan Hansen against Giant Baba match kind of revived Giant Baba once again as a single match superstar because they had good match. They they traded pretty much traded PWF title back and forth. Yeah, Hmm. they created another series of dream matches like Stan Hansen against Terry Funk, Stan Hansen against Dory Funk, Stan Hansen against Jumbo and whatnot. All these single matches were created. Just because Stan Hansen's arrival, does that make sense? Mm. Yeah.
0: Stan Hansen was a power player in this time.
1: Oh yeah, and then it's just uh, uh, it's very similar to Stan under what Terry Funk was in seventies, but he was much bigger cowboy. You know what I'm saying? Physically, mm-hmm. yeah. And he worked complete heel style, but somewhat somehow working heel style he was still cheered in japan that's yeah. a very interesting part I, he always worked all the way and i mean he all the way to misawa kobashi kawada era he mm-hmm. was he always worked here right but people always loved stan hansen it just has to, has to do with the character of stan hansen i mean like a, he looks like a likable person right mm. yeah I mean, Always if you if you,
0: if you had to make a, a general guess of why people love Stan Hansen so much in Japan, what would you yeah. what would you think? What would you say?
1: ah, uh, uh, no nonsense. Just go out there and just does what he does and beat everybody. Mm. I mean, no referee bumps. Oh, they did that with Joe Higuchi referee, but uh, he. Came off like the toughest guy of all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. Right. Yeah. And also, he actually was so old-fashioned that uh, he did Stan Hansen was the type of wrestler who protected his finish so well. Mm-hmm. See, when he uses his left arm, Western Larry, yeah, clothesline, of course, he beat the guy one to three. He never let anybody kick out his Western lariat at, at the counter of two. When he uses it, he w- wins. Mm-hmm. So it's like people are conditioned that the, when he start touching his, his you know elbow pad and and signals the you know the audience that the Western lariat's coming. He gives big clothesline boom. He really wins. He beat Baba. He beat Jumbo. He beat Terry Funk. He beat Dory Funk. He just all these established. Uh, superstars of all Japan roster, one by one, Stan Hansen actually beat him, clean. Because well, that's how he was produced, but uh, very, very convincing. And Stan Hansen never had to cheat to win. I mean, that's very important in Japan, you know? Heal doesn't mean you cheat. I mean, the American bad guy and also this physically so big that the, there's nothing you can do about it. I think Vader, you know, decades later, inherited that image. Yeah. 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 I mean, like a big time heel, but you don't really cheat. It's just brutal. <laughs> you know? They were believable.
0: I mean, just... They were believable. Oh, yeah. Athleticism and their size.
1: Yeah. 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 And also there's, a, there's like almost like an image gap that he, he works like Big Hill in the ring. But when he does the TV appearance or the interviews in the magazine, Stan Hansen comes in with this Coke bottle glasses and a 10-gallon hat, smiling, and answers the interview like an intelligent human being.
0: But, you know, in the States, he would do his promos quite differently, if you remember. Right, right like
1: the Texas, yeah, the ball rope and the chewing tobacco. Oh, and, uh, chewing
0: a whole, like, case of tobacco and, falling and out you, of his mouth. Mes- I mean,
1: over, all over your announcer. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> totally different from his uh, presentation in Japan. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, that's that's wrestling. It's, especially back then, it's, it was almost, uh, it's more lucrative to have, those two images in two different places
1: and also right because in japan there is no promo promo like american television right you know, you don't grab a microphone and do your gimmick you know uh, when you do the interview or even television interview or they do like a sport interview or, or a magazine interview for that matter they come to hotel And uh, you have a room to sit and do the interview and the photos being taken and the videotape being videotaped and that Stan Hansen shows up like a gentleman. (laughs) Same way Brody was too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're not just crazy person. It come off pretty crazy in the ring. And technically, he's not like wrestling wrestler, right? He does punches and kicks and stumps and a big knee drop by the apron and then the elbow drop and the clothesline at the end. What's the wrestling moves, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, just so convincing. This guy beats everybody clean. <laughs> you know, that was Stan Hansen. And uh, yeah, and then also I think that the stand backstro- story of uh, Stan Hansen and Jumbo Truda, uh, you know, had spent their rookie years together in Amoleiro. That helped too. You know, there's a photo in the magazine that the rookie year Stan Hansen and and, and Jumbo Truda in the same apartment complex. You know, they shared ramen noodles or something. Mm. Good story, huh? Mm. And also uh, Stan Hansen trained under the funks, you know, in rookie years. That helped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was a kind of the connection uh, in Japan. There were a lot of Texas based or Texas originating workers from Amarillo. Not just, not just uh, Americans, but you had Jumbo, you had Tenru, who was there. There was a, Yeah, well, Ted DiBiase, Dick Slater.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And Stan Hansen
0: taking over where Terry Funk was standing. I think that's also something that really gave uh, um, All Japan a more NWA flavor because it was a lot of, you know, they, they did send regular talent that was popular in both the States and in the NWA and in Japan. Like the first. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And then also aged, aging Terry Funk against Mm -hmm. Stan. And then people want Terry Funk to win, but uh, younger Stan Hansen will beat Terry Funk, you
0: know?
1: 1984, 1983. Yeah, around there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that uh, the new generation, like, they weren't all that much younger, actually, you know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, yeah. But uh, Stan and Brody against Dory and Terry Funk. Oh God, it was like a gen- battle of generation. That the Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody era has come. You know, mm. yeah, that was a very interesting era. But the Giant Baba was there to produce all that, mm. and not really involved in the main event program. S- still working every night though. Uh, the six-man tag team situation. You know,
0: yeah. So he was just. At the I guess in the in by the mid '80s onwards, he was more of the creative and you know a uh, business type of role.
1: Yeah, but never really retired. Right. But never was in. Title he was match still
0: Pittsburgh, wrestling now. every night.
1: Every night, every night. Yeah, six man tag team and come in do his big boot. Yeah. And it's good to you know, uh, really good to see him. You know, kind of like your grandpa. You know. Or, hmm. That three generations your grandpa and yourself and your kids all three generations of wrestling final latching all japan
0: yeah there's something um <clears throat> comforting or nostalgic or, or or uh something safe that you can watch it seems like he always baba always promoted all japan i forget what the phrase was exactly something like uh a bright and.
1: Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: How would you translate that into Japanese? Or into English. Bright and fun, loving. Like, yeah, like uh, entertaining or or. And yeah. intensely. Like hageshiku. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: So it had that um, those foundational feelings or ethics that guided that always sort of guided the product. I mean, it, in in a in a subtle way, but. It, you wouldn't see what you would see in New Japan and all Japan. That's right. You know, right?
1: All Japan, um, uh, you know that the, the moeru tokon, it's a like fighting spirit of Antonio Inoki, and everybody has to work like an Inoki clone, huh? Mm. <laughs> Almost, yeah. All black and tights and black, you know, all black shoes and all that, you know. Fujinami, well, Choshu had the white boots, but uh, all everybody
0: basically wore simple black trunks nothing on it right Mm. and you said earlier it had an appeal to you know if you were a young man in your 20s it's going to appeal to that demographic whereas you know could you let's let's talk about that a little more because especially in the 80s uh, when when the the head to head battle wasn't as intense it was still going on but it wasn't it wasn't like in the late 70s. Uh, what was it like, uh, the differences between the... I guess Japan the, and old Japan? Yeah, and the, the fan like base. Mid-80s mid, mid, mid into late 80s? Yeah, what, by the time Baba had turned into more of a promoter and had that more promotional Yeah, yeah we
1: have to... Yeah.
0: Um, New Japan was always like a Japanese
1: star against Japanese star oriented, mm-hmm. huh? hmm And there was... Rick, you know, like uh, Ricky Choshu with long hair turned heel on establishment within New Japan challenged Fujinami, right? Mm-hmm. Eventually, Ricky Choshu will be challenging Inoki, and there will be Inoki against Choshu, you know, single match program. And there was UWF, you know, the Akira Maeda, Nobuhiko Takada, the, the Yoshiaki Fujiwara, the, uh, who, whatnot. They are challenging Inoki within New Japan frame. Mm-hmm. Like, like a changing professional wrestling into their style of professional wrestling. And physically, that's what Inoki was doing initially, but the in late 80s version of Inoki couldn't really handle, you know, single match against Akira Maeda to have convincing single match, right? And therefore, Akira Maeda against Antonio Inoki, in, you know, in mid 80s never took place. Mm. Forty years later, like like last year, Inoki and Akira Maeda had a, some you know YouTube interview kind of thing that uh, Inoki admitted, <laughs> "Hey, I was scared, man, right? <laughs> I mean, now he's forty years later. Inoki's old; enough, seventy-some year old. Inoki would admit, I couldn't do the match. What are you talking about, right? <laughs> so that's that's okay. Forty years later, but uh, Inoki himself knew that the, he that he couldn't come up with convincing finish. <laughs> to beat, you know, up-and-coming up shoot image Maeda or, or the Fujiwara single match. Fujiwara, Fujiwara, at the same time, was always willing to put Inoki over fine, but uh, Inoki had trouble coming up with his, his convincing storyline. That, uh, he, like, almost contradicting himself, that he, Inoki was the one who was going to change professional wrestling into legitimate sports, wasn't he?
0: Right? Him or his disciples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Takara was pretty much that guy in the 90s. Fun- right, UWFI, but the, Funaki Pancras,
1: but they all ended up being like a different company. They have to run their own wrestling company to do so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not under Inoki umbrella, you know? So, but you produced more Japanese superstar than 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 than, than you know Baba. See, Baba always had lots of American superstar, and Jumbo and Tenru. You had to wait for Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi, and and, and, and until late late eighties. Mm. And there was then also there were two year period, eighty five and eighty six. Riki Choshu and his fifteen guys signed with All Japan and worked All Japan, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, as Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, it's kind of uh, confusing, but uh, they named, you know, in Japan, like English title, Japan Pro Wrestling, Ricky Choshu and 15 of his guys, you know, they all invaded All Japan and started having Japanese against Japanese. And 85 and 86, there was like, when you go to All Japan show, there's like a 13 matches. 13 matches, you know, all Japan jump, you know, Baba and Jumbo and his group, right? And Riki Choshu, Japan Pro Wrestling, they're 15, 20 guys and Americans and also Russia, Kimura, the Ashurahara, the ex IWA, you know, Koksai guys. You know, it's like, it's like you couldn't fit everybody at, at the Koraken Hall dressing room. You know, guys were dressing in the stairways. It was a time period. Then eighty-seven, that uh, Riki Choshu and his fifteen guys returned to New Japan, and somewhat, somewhat, somehow, all Japan uh, that the crew become come, kind of skeleton, right? That's when Tenru turned heel for the first time, up against Jumbo Therefore, Jumbo against Tenru became very strong program mm. this time,
0: yeah. And, um, so what
1: happens in one company uh,
0: affects
1: the other company, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, they sort of needed each other to uh, somehow not exist, but thrive. Yeah,
1: I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because um, by, by the time Bro, you know, Brody um, went to New Japan to have a single match program against Antony Inoki, Well, Old Japan had you already had your Terry Gordy, Steve Williams, Danny Spivey, uh, Johnny, the Dynamite Kid, Davey Boy, the the big new American crew. Yeah. And Jumbo, you know, used young Tiger Mask Misawa as his partner, and Tenru had Ashurahara as a partner. It's like a different, uh, two or three different factions within Old Japan. So they have pretty healthy big roster again, and uh, yeah. And Baba just was producer and promoter. Never retired though. Always worked uh, six-man tag team situation right before intersex, you know, intermission, yeah.
0: And thinking about um, the kind of uh, the makeup of both companies, it was also New Japan, for the most part was like you said more of a japanese centric company yeah, owned yeah. by japanese television company um it, it gave it a different flavor yeah
1: and i guess um antonio inoki was always more elusive right mm-hmm. that uh kind of mysterious whereas giant baba was openly promoter, mom and pop, right. And Mr. and Mrs. Baba running a company. And all these Japanese wrestlers are their children, kind of thing.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess the late seventies, early eighties are also where we started to see the beginnings of his his rookies, his children out. Uh, yeah. Where had Jumbo, Tenru was there. Uh, Actually, Onita. Young 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 Onita. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then a little later you'd get Misawa and Kawada and Kobashi. Sure. Yeah. Um, so this I guess was also when Baba was backstage, he was also, you know, cultivating the garden. He had uh, all of his all of his sons ready to go for the late 80s and early 90s, and it kind of he yeah, like we were talking about a faded out. He sort of faded, phased himself out of the main event picture. It wasn't the same as, you know, we were talking earlier about Billy Robinson and Baba beating him in six, seven minutes. But,
1: uh, but yeah. Baba beating him in a two out of three, four match and mm. beating Kintaro Oki in six minutes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it's not like that the direct combat against what New Japan does. Yeah. Right. It's Different style. About, uh, yeah, yeah. And pretty much like just into their own world. You know, that's what progressing should be. Yeah, cause when 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 Inoki was, you know, aging uh, as a headliner, he Inoki wouldn't retire. Instead
0: he'll go to politics,
1: right? Yeah it seems like
0: yeah, yeah he, he, he ducked <gasps> out.
1: he became politician yeah yeah like a real politician and won the election and all this you know and he never retired but uh, the other guys run wrestling business. Whereas
0: Baba never left the building, you know? So, yeah. and also around the, I guess later in the 80s, there was also the falling out that eventually Baba had with NWA and Crockett. That's what I
1: was trying to get to. I mean, what was so interesting, it was so NWA oriented all the way to 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in even in 1986, uh, John Baba invites both NWA champion Ric Flair and AWA world champion Rick Martel together, you know, in the same tour at the Sumo Palace. Ric Flair against Rick Martel, NWA world champion against AWA world champion happened in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, double count-out, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was a sort of an All Japan, uh, like, or or I guess, was this Baba's, you know, idea or trend of the trend of the double count-out finish? Uh,
1: Not a trend, but I guess there's something they had to, because, you know, you you see Japanese wrestling fans. Oh, I guess after the magazine started becoming weekly, you know, the summer of 83, uh, baseball magazine shows you know magazine became weekly pro wrestling shukan pro Wrestling, and following year gong magazine became weekly and there was a weekly fight you know the tabloid paper out of osaka so and big wrestler magazine that became weekly and tokyo sports had that the pro wrestler uh, magazine weekly so there's like a five different weekly magazine covering wrestling that come out every week right mm-hmm. and they have news stories so that forced wrestling company to be a little bit more honest about what's happening, right? Because mm. they cover it, you know? And uh, double count-out finish became, or the D- double DQ or no contest, or somebody get DQ'd, you know? all these things became so predictable. It's like that hurt the business. Because when, like you said, yeah, Ric Flair, NWH, Champion against Rick Martel, AWA champion, the double title match, that looks good on paper, but you know, smarter fans were just going to predict, right? Double count- finish coming, right? Mm. So, Baba sensed it. It's like, it's not the thing to do anymore in late 80s. They really, John Baba was the first promoter to erase that notion. Therefore, what would you do? You don't have those matches. And right. also, you don't produce Ric Flair against Rick Martel again, <laughs> you know. And when Jumbo against Tenryu single match, you have finish. And that's when All Japan became really, really popular again in, like in late. See, after Ricky Choshu and his 15 guys left and went back to old, 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 New Japan, old japan fans were afraid it's like, oh god we lost all those big stars right and we still have stan hansen we still have jumbo but jumbo was you know always good but never was as popular as new japan superstars hmm. really yeah and uh but if you remember you know jumbo became very first awa world champion and you know beating nick Bockwinkel in japan and Actually kept the title for the next three months. He, he toured all the AWA territory until he dropped the title to Rick Martel and all these and everything. All the title match was televised in Japan and it, it placed Jumbo as very special your main event guy, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, still, back the you know wrestling fans mind that. The, but there's when you have two superstars on single match situation, Baba would always choose DQ finish or double count out kind of thing. And just not, I mean, it's like, it's hard to go home after the show, like, and feel good about it. You know, Mm. people want to see finish, right?
0: Yeah. Especially if every month, the big match of the month is pretty much that. I mean, yeah. When
1: Inoki do the thing, you have riot, right?
0: Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, Baba actually sensed it as a promoter. And since he's not an active top talent, that uh, he was able to order wrestlers uh, his new rules, you know, clean finish, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess. That was around the time. And also, what was interesting was, though, Baba's, you know, like such a Mr. NWA, you know, establishment type guy, right, as a promoter. Mm -hmm. Mm. Baba was the first one to cut ties with NWA in America, Mm. which was interesting because the time was what, the 89, 88, 89, 90. You don't actually have NWA in America anymore. That's right. Yeah, it's like WWF and Vincent Kennedy McMahon era and NWA Crockett promotion, you know, was sold to Turner TV company and that became WCW.
0: Yeah, things changed. now
1: WCW and WWF, the two, yeah, a lot of change. And also, John Baba looked at Ricky Steamboat and didn't really feel that guy was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Mm. And by then, they were still using the name NWA World Heavyweight Champion, but they didn't really travel territory to territory because there were none, <laughs> remember? Right, right. NWA Crockett promotion bought uh, in, in Central States, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, you know, Kansas and Missouri and NWA Florida, Florida Championship Wrestling, that went out of business and all the NWA territory dying, you know, and there was no one common traveling world heavyweight champion anymore. And Ric Flair, NWA world heavyweight champion, fine, but he only stayed around Crockett territory, remember? Yeah, Crockett territory, fine, and Northern South Carolina's, Virginia, West Virginia, probably ran card in Baltimore, the Boston a little bit and went all the way to Meadowlands. But uh, John Baba didn't feel obligated to that anymore and says there was no, I mean big governing body as NWA as we knew it anymore, right? Mm. Yeah. And he has Stan Hansen that uh, in '88 Bruce Brody came back. You already have Terry Gordy, Steve Williams is still affiliated with Dory Funk and his people. Uh, the, the, that's when Baba came up with this idea of unifying all the single uh, singles championship belt. PWF, Pacific Wrestling Federation champion, international heavyweight title, Ten Rules, UN, United National title, all three titles would be unified. And the match was between Stan Hansen and Jumbo Tsura. that became today's triple crown. That oh. triple crown is just as big as any world heavyweight
0: championship. Mm. This is how that's how Bob felt. Mm. But that makes sense, though, right? Well, that was kind of the image of all Japan, right? They were the they had the, the biggest championship, the best. They were the big leagues.
1: Then, yeah, and uh, that uh, in mid eighties, you know. This, if you have, and when you have three ch- singles championship belt in one company, PWF belt, international belt, and UN belt, it's like who really is the belt, you know, like a <laughs> bigger title, you know, like Stan Hansen holds one. Henry Ten- holds the UN, Jumbo holds international heavyweight title. They individually defending their own title in the same show. It's like I was sh- scratching my head myself, you know, <laughs> so – but the create, creation of Triple Crown was like a really, really big thing. And it was very symbolic because it was the very first year of Heisei
0: era in Japan. Ah, uh, okay. Will you please explain Heisei to American listeners. Oh. <laughs> Heisei? I mean, how so how can you explain the, the I guess, the... the Imperial era. Period. Imperial uh,
1: em, periods. Yeah, yeah. There's a so- Meiji era. There was... It's Taisho era. I was born in Showa era in 1989. When Showa Hirohi, Emperor Hirohito, Hirohito died, and his son becomes uh, emperor, and therefore Heisei starts.
0: And this is fourth year of Reiwa era right now. That's right. Yeah, new You're... emperor. Yeah. So I mean, and to I guess to make it more, mm. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's, it's not it's not difficult to explain i'm just trying to choose the right words it's kind of like because it it does affect how you view the wrestling because there's definitely like a show up feel a show era yeah sure wrestling or and uh hey say absolutely that's that's yeah. Yeah. 30 year period of pace yeah so you think of a, a certain it's i guess you could think about it if you were thinking about it in wrestling terms with wwe like the attitude era or ruthless aggression era or i mean it's not exactly the
1: regional era to a national expansion era yeah
0: something like that it's yeah it's a bigger monday uh, night war era larger scale idea um a little bit more room for interpretation and explaining what it is
1: right but this unification of pwf title international heavyweight title and un united national heavyweight title the unification happened the very first year of heisei era which was
0: 1989.
1: Mm. And on up until today's old Japan's Triple Crown, uh, not using the physical same belt, but the Baba did not create the new physical belt. Instead, they made wrestlers hold three physical belts into the ring. Mm. Yeah.
0: It, you had to see it to the believe
1: it. Yeah, like three different belts. You remember that the Stan Hansen holding all three belts and swinging? yeah <laughs> yeah and what was interesting is though that the uh, three belts you know when you have three belts uh which belt would you like to wear in your waist and jumbo always choose to wear international heavyweight heavyweight belt in your waist and holding un and pwf title in his 10 and like some wrestlers you know like uh, up to like a Jun Akiyama, he mm-hmm. would choose to wear PWF belt in his waist, you know. And Tenru would be better if he wore UN belt, huh?
0: I guess I'm trying to imagine what the the UN belt is the. uh in a continental? maybe. Which one is the lighter brown color? Uh,
1: lighter brown color. Oh, uh, that the. Uh... Black belt over Luther's design belt is PWF. Right. And uh Eagle Belt. The okay. Initial Eagle Belt is International. Yeah. yeah. And Stan wore none of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he always held three all three belts in his hand. Steve Williams choose international belt to wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the the way to like people like, uh, you know, Yoshihiro Takayama or Minoru Suzuki, they held the belt in their hands, too. Sure. What Keiji Muto did in 2002,
0: he wore all three belts in his waist. (laughs) He did that. And I remember he also would wear them across his neck. Tag team belts. So when he had five different belts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Very creative. But the
1: championship belt is like very meaningful in Japan.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like uh, it's destiny. The, it's the idea of uh, the Triple Crown being birthed on the beginning of the race era, and also it's thinking about Baba. It was also a time to start thinking about him in a, a certain, in a different way, different light. Because from then yeah, on,
1: yeah, in a different value, you know, like, say say goodbye to NWA and NWF era, right? Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, though, in 1992, inoki well, it's more like not Inoki, but it's a Sakaguchi version of N- uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling signed partnership with WCW mm-hmm. and brought NWA belt into G1 Climax and brought the Ric Flair design gold belt and the... They had a uh, rick recruit rick against masa Chono and to crown their version of nwa world heavyweight champion in 92. That's mm. uh, it was real confusing
0: then but i remember it though i remember that on tv it made it still feel like a big international yeah. deal yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so the, what was so this guy all these american Wrestling landscape and politics and Japanese wrestling land you know landscape is kind of mangled and you know tangled and you know get, got real
0: confusing in '90s. Mm. Yeah. I guess in the '90s, we're going to have to wait until next time to start on that right it- But
1: uh, tonight, you know uh, Baba, let, yeah, let's stop here that the giant Baba as a promoter was the first one. To say goodbye to NWA establishment, establishment, because mm-hmm. there's no such, I mean, like not 60s, not 70s, not 80s. NWA was, was pretty much no longer, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he didn't really produce. They did that though in the early 80s, but the later on, that the, the jumbo against Ric Flair, the Baba didn't want to do it, you know. When Ricky Steamboat brought, brought his gold belt as NWA champion, he, the title match, NWA title match was between Ricky Steamboat against Misawa Tiger Mask at the Budokan. And it wasn't even the main event. Mm.
0: Interesting, huh? I, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think why he wouldn't want Steamboat as a champion over there. But but he came in and defended came his in. title. But, but, but his wrestling but style is different.
1: Yeah but in Baba's eyes Ricky Stimbo was no longer the like a uh, representing big you know good old NWA anymore Sure sure yeah he was Crockett's company champion
0: Ah uh, so he's not as a prime time player as he needed him to be or wanted him to be because the connection with the NWA the Crockett thing it's not exactly the same thing
1: Yeah because in people's you know wrestling fans I Stan Hansen so much better than Jim Crockett promotion right there.
0: Well,
1: mm. oh, oh well, uh, that's that's debatable. But you know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. So that's why we should end right around 1990. Yeah. And uh, let's have one more Giant Baba episode.
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, next time we'll, we'll focus on the, the later part of his uh, career as a promoter because it was like you said, it's promoting without any association with the nwa um different he time. he
1: had his rost american roster yes mm-hmm.
0: and yeah. we'll talk about the rest of uh we'll talk about motoko babo some more we'll talk about all kinds of rise
1: of misawa kobashi kawada sure. taue yeah yeah generation of later on to be your four
0: pillars and you can say his, his sons or his uh, grandsons of the all japan era mm-hmm. the railroad era
1: Right, and okay. also the lion logo of New Japan still exists today, and the Jap- Japanese map on the globe, the
0: old Japan logo still exists to to this day. Yep, same ones. Yep. All right, let's wrap it up. Okay, so how can we reach you on social media, Fumihiko? Uh
1: on Twitter, Fumihiko Dayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, Fumihiko Dayo, on Twitter, or just Saito on Facebook.
0: And I'm at Justin M Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R on Twitter. Um, we'll be back with you next week with Giant Baba Part 4 so Fumi, take it away so long from Tokyo everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or Mc Crispy Sandwich but you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day